Hey everyone, welcome back to Beyond the Bar podcast. I'm your host, Denise Tova, and today I have an absolute pleasure of hosting Vicki Ziegler. She is a true superstar in the legal world, and she is not just a founding partner of Ziegler Law Group, LLC, but she's also, oh my gosh, she's an author. She is a media personality. She's a philanthropist, and so much more. Um, from guiding couples through prenup planning to managing high-profile celebrity divorces. Vicky's influence really transcends the courtroom, but not only she's an innovator in her field, but she's super fun and she's very approachable, and that's a rare quality, uh, and that makes her an incredible guest. Welcome, Vicky, to the show. Oh, thank you, Denisa. That was so kind of you. I think I paid you a couple dollars behind the scenes to say those nice things about me. No, you did not, but I will take that. <laughs> no, and, and you truly are a fascinating woman. Um, so I will dive right in. Uh, tell us your story. Well, you know, most people think that divorce is a bad thing. And I realized when I was about eight or nine years old, my parents were getting divorced. It was acrimonious and very difficult. And the judge called me into chambers and he said, all right, Vicki, who do you want to live with? And I said to him, well, you're wearing the robe. I'm not. But my recommendation is that I should live 50% of the time with my mother, 50% of the time with my father. We should live in a few mile radius and I would be one week on, one week off. That way, nobody wins, nobody loses, and both parties get to see me. Because otherwise, I'm afraid my dad may move back to South Africa and there'd be some serious issues and consequences. And the judge looked at me and said, young lady, I'll be right back. He then proceeded, my parents told me later on, that he went into the courtroom and said, your daughter just brokered your custody deal. And if you don't take it, there's going to be serious consequences. So that's my forte into the divorce world. How old were you again? I think I was nine years old. Wow. And, and that must have been a painful experience. And then you had that foresight it's almost like you became the grown-up yes i was the parent really parenting my parents and i think i understood at that moment what mediation looked like in terms of trying to broker a deal so i think when you're young you go with instinct you you know you don't you're not jaded and that experience while it was probably the most mm -hmm. difficult thing that I, I i went through really took me on a trajectory of you know finding who i was what was I looking for? And I knew I was gonna be a divorce attorney at a very young age. And that's really where the track came from and the, the, to me, the fire in my belly to help litigants, to help their children come out okay, come out on top and divorce with dignity. If you're dealing with very, very, very emotional client, which only makes sense, right? Because of the process is very difficult. Uh, and some practitioners, they sort of take it on. Um, and, and I think that could be a dangerous path. How, how do you deal with that? How do you handle it? Yeah, listen, there is no easy way to deal with a very difficult and acrimonious divorce. You know, I tell a lot of people we're dealing with the underbelly of hell in a lot of ways because people are at their worst. Some people don't want to get yeah. divorced. You know, somebody's cheating. So for me, it is directing my client with the right legal strategy and supporting them throughout the process. And to me, it's a divorce management style. I don't take on the case, their persona. I am who I am. I can get passionate for sure. I can get heated uh, if I'm arguing on behalf of my client, but I think 
uh, cooler heads always prevail. So for me, it's always being strategic in the way a case should move forward with the end of resolution in mind, if that could happen. And if it can't, you know, there are a percentage of cases that have to go to trial if you can't agree. But to me, that doesn't always make the most sense in these cases. Hmm. So being practical, being rational. Um, what about assembling your team? I understand you have a great, great, great team. Um, what is it that is important to you beyond the credentials experience and sort of the quantifiable stuff that you see on the resume? What is it that you're looking in people when you're considering him, considering that individual uh, as as a as a hire? Oh, in my practice. Yes, in your practice. Oh, yes. I mean, to me, it's critical. This is like family. So for me, we have a system where the entire office vets a new person, a new hire. That's how important it is for us to bring somebody in that me that really meshes personality wise. Of course, as you said, credentials and obviously, you know, a good track record and, and working at other places that have actually taught them things. To me, it's who you are as a person. I'm a, we have a no gossip policy. Uh, you come to work, we work. We try to laugh a little. We, we try to, you know, talk, talk to each other in the hallways. But for me, who you are as a human, what's your human experience and how hard do you want to help people? Because to me, altruism is one of the requirements that um, hmm. allows somebody to come into into my den as we speak, as we say it. Yeah, that's not easy. Um, you know, I do have a virtual team and, um, you know, I had to learn as an entrepreneur early on what sort of what is my style and, and how I had to learn as, as, as a leader uh, and then just in a process sort of what was triggering me and what I needed to grow through and who sort of thrives in that environment and who not so much. So that's, um, you know, talking about evolution. I mean, with appearances on hundreds of radio shows and TV shows, and you even had your own show on Bravo. So you're not new to media. And I'm curious about that time. If you look back, what did you learn about yourself being essentially a celebrity and rubbing elbows with celebrities? Yeah, it was an amazing time. Uh, TV found me. I wasn't looking for it. I was at a party and somebody said, hey, you should be on TV. And I said, ah, pay $100. I know you're never going to call me. I gave him $100. He called me the next day. I went on to Bill wow. O'Reilly's show on Fox News. I uh, talked about Britney Spears shaving her head. And then the love of TV happened for me. It was love at first sight. And once I got my Bravo show, I realized I... Wish I went to broadcasting school, quite frankly, Denisa, because I loved it so much. But I also realized, uh, and I was told, don't quit your day job. This TV is very fickle mm. and you're in one day and you're yeah. out the next. So we were really lucky to have two amazing seasons. We had great viewership. And I, I really started to learn that what people say about you doesn't matter. And for me, you know, I, I'm a pleaser. I want everyone to like me. I want to do a good job for everybody. You call me in the middle of the night, Denisa, and you need help. I'm there. I don't care where you are, Long Island, Manhattan, New Jersey. And um, mm -hmm. not everybody likes the haircut that you have, or not everybody likes the, you know, the things that you necessarily say on television. But I realized that's okay. Other people's opinions mm -hmm. really aren't my business and they're entitled to them, but I know who I am. So when your self-worth is strong, and you believe in your ability and who you are as a person and you hope that you're a good person, to me, that was the biggest thing I needed to learn while being in front of millions of people all the time. 
that's not easy that is not no. easy and that is a great that's not it's it's um you're out there uh we're both uh sort of out there in public and and i have grown to realize many years later really just more recently is that when people throw something at you um there's a difference between critiquing right uh and and just maybe seeing things differently and trying to break you down i think that's why many people are afraid to to get out, out there on social media um is it's really it hits their stuff it has nothing to do with you if somebody doesn't like your look or what you say it's it's hitting something for them and so sure, it's, they... it's really uh yeah but 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 that you, you either can be fake to please everybody which you cannot or being authentic like you are right and listen you know people are going to cast and throw rocks all the time i remember reading brene brown um and she said something interesting she said people don't uh, they don't get the chance to critique you if they're not in the arena with you and i thought that was phenomenal because i'm saying people are yeah. saying oh you're on tv you said this wrong or you, you did this wrong and i'm thinking do you know how hard it is to be on television on a live hit right you know yeah. it's not easy yeah. I mean, they're like, you know, three, two, one, there's no retakes. This is live television. Yes. So nobody's perfect. But I, I think to your point, uh, the strength of knowing your convictions and that everyone can make mistakes and you can learn from them and be humble about it. To me, the haters, I, I don't even listen to that. I think it's total nonsense. Yeah. My, this is my motto, join me or watch me win. And that's my team's motto. Love it. It's very Love simple, it. right? It's simple. So yeah. if you don't like me, yeah. don't watch me. But most yep. people want to hear what we have to say and do. And we're doing good things for people. We're helping people. And that's important to me. That's a mission. You know what? And I love that because there are more, I choose to believe there are more people who choose to listen and are good people, have good intentions. Um, I believe there already is a lot of positivity and gratitude floating out there, but sometimes it, it gets silenced by our focus, our own focus on the negative. So just like you, you know, just, just cho choosing to focus on yourself, what you can do and staying authentic and hopefully empowering and inspiring others to jump in into that ring and being have a courage to be vulnerable and and authentic um talking about being altruistic and um and giving you've been actively involved uh with the make-a-wish foundation in new jersey and also the angels organization could you share a story about um how this work has touched your life yeah make-a-wish foundation um i was involved for several years on the uh donation side and also on the giving the wish side. So I would actually participate with a very sick child in giving them whatever wish they desired. I became very close with a family and um, helped them along their paths and in, in their life. And um, the child who had sickle cell anemia wasn't such a child anymore in his 20s had a baby. And they called me and they said, you know, we want you to be, you know, involved in this child's life. And I am forever indebted to that family to show me really what true love looks like through medical conditions and, and difficult times. And when he passed away, I, I was invited to the funeral and I was participating and speaking and um, it forever changed me. 
that experience and seeing all of the children going through such difficult treatments and still having a smile on their face and choosing a laptop or a spending spree or meeting a famous person. So for me, that that gift of life to know how precious life is and anything can change at any time gave me a perspective of live your best life in the moment. And the organization that one of my paralegals is heavily involved in, she's, she's gotten me on board. Um, and that is for a homeless organization. And every Sunday between seven and nine, they give out all the donations and the food. You know how cold it's been, at least in the New York, New Jersey area. And there's families, there's children living on the streets. And um, that touches your heart. So we've really round up a lot of people to donate clothing and individually packaged foods to help those in need. And I think, Denisa, when you help other people, you can forget your problems for a moment yeah. and you can really focus on how how lucky you are to have the ability to help somebody else. And that's, to me, it's almost an addiction. I love helping people. And as sad as it can be at times, the reward, you know, to know that other people have food for the day and clothing. I try to teach my daughter who's eight to give away her clothing that she doesn't want and her stuffed animals to those who can't afford it, you know, at the time. So uh, being altruistic and giving back is a critical component at my firm, in my personal life, and, you know, for those around me. Mm, just, just beautiful. And not just talking about it and doing it. And that touches me. And, you know, it touches me uh, for more, more reasons than one. What, you're a little bit like me is that you never stop thinking and growing and doing and and uh you know we're just wired that way <laughs> that's why yeah. I, really, I actually i was thinking about I, i'm curious what does achieving a balance mean to you and and where are you with that today well that's an amazing question i think for anybody that has a child a mother I'm always looking for that healthy work balance, uh, work-life balance. And I, I always feel like I'm an octopus and all of my tentacles are out. But for some reason, I'm not feeding myself probably first and as well as I should. So I'm always trying to, and, and this may sound crazy, but fit in time for myself because the self-care is critical for me to rehabilitate, to take a moment. Because as like you, I don't stop thinking. I only sleep a few hours. I have a law firm, which is my pride and joy. And then I have all, I have businesses, books, right? Movie, television appearances. Um, I help my, curate my daughter's life. I, I, I'm happily married. I have family. So there's so many things to do in a day and I love my life and I want to get the most out of it. So I'm always working on trying to figure out what the balance is. And sometimes, you know, my husband says to me, Vicki, it's Friday night at nine o'clock. You need to close your laptop. It's ridiculous. Okay. And come watch a movie. And I'm like, thanks, honey. So I tell him, please be my, you know, eyes and ears because I sometimes can't do it for myself. So it's okay to ask for help. hundred percent. I totally, totally get it. Uh, movie. You said movie. Are there any shows that you guys are hooked on? Oh, um, that's interesting. And that's another thing I don't, you know, I used to be on TV all the time. I never watched TV. So right now, um, Sophia Vergara's new Netflix documentary. Um, I think it's Griselda, I think her name is, but I'm fascinated with Griselda. very, yeah. Griselda, there you go. Um, yeah. I'm a fascinated with strong, tough women. And this one's yeah. a little tougher than I probably would 
I would like to admit, but it is what it is. And I love that true life story. But I feel like anything that's empower, empowering women, empowering humanity, that's what I'm into. How about yourself? What are you watching these days? Interesting. We're actually in the middle of watching Griselda Blanco and same thing. Uh -huh. I mean, I, I, it's like you don't want to root for someone who was involved in so many killings, but there's a part of you that, that is empathizing a little bit given where she came from. Right. So it's, it's, yes. it's to as any show where that, that shows sort of the com complexity of the humanness, the fragility and, um, of course, we're rewatching Suits for like the hundredth time. We love the Yellowstone, you know, waiting for, for that to continue. So we're kind of in between, always looking for recommendations. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I have a little list. I have a list of restaurants, a list of things I need to watch. Those are my kind of to do so that I can slot them in for my, my peaceful time. But for me, it's truly the only way to unwind is the spa and is to go for a massage and steam and sauna and breathe and exercise you know those are the things that eat healthy foods and juice you know those are the things that I, to me keep me grounded because i would work 24 hours a day if i could that's so interesting um and and, and great now interesting but great that you said that a self-care <laughs> because how can you how can you help other people or even do what you do if you're if, if your batteries are not charged on you know i'm the same way as believing taking care of yourself um there's actually i love jim Rohn. um i don't know if you can call him motivational speaker author he's obviously no longer around but he said you take care of you for me um mm. and and, it, and it's and it just resonates with me and um yeah the, and that's that is super important um so finally what advice would you give to incoming lawyers Oh boy, I have so many. I love to be a mentor. So for any lawyers that are coming into my practice or in general, right, in life, that um, yeah. I think you need to disavow this whole stigma that young attorneys don't wanna work hard. I think that mm. we're in a different time where I was inculcated my first day out of my clerkship, I tried a case where that would never happen now. So my best advice would be to work hard, stay later than everybody, read the rules, learn everything that you can from the experienced attorneys, read deposition transcripts and motions, sit in when you're allowed to, become your own attorney, right? See what you yeah. like uh, about an attorney, see what you don't like and create your legal persona and, and, and give your best effort. You don't have to be the smartest in the room, but if you try the hardest, to me, you'll go far. I love that advice. You said try the hardest. Um, there seems to be a theme. I've spoken to a few judges and, and other practitioners, and when I asked them about their pet peeve, they would almost all agree it's when people are not trying hard enough or trying period. So that's, I think that, that is a great advice. And then, you know, maintaining, maintaining yourself, self of self, maintaining your sense of self, being authentic as we, as we spoke about and growing and learning and soaking it all in because this is not a job. I mean, there's so many, so many layers. Uh, Vicki, it's been absolute pleasure to delve into your world. Uh, I will for sure have you back. Uh, I mean, your dedication, passion and energy are just uh, phenomenal. Thank you so much for sharing yourself here with us. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be with you and you were amazing as well.
Thank you. And to our viewers and listeners to find out more about Vicki Ziegler and how to get hold of her, click on her bio link below and follow her on social media. Do not forget to hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel, Beyond the Bar Podcast. Follow us on all social media channels. And until next time, stay curious and inspired. Thank you.